everyone. Welcome to this Monday edition of Hearts Home Half, hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart. So we've got a pretty packed episode today. We're going to have a lot to go over. Uh, opening weekend in baseball, the Rays and the Marlins. The Rays actually swept their opening weekend, and they're the last remaining team in the MLB to be undefeated. And it's only 3-0, and they have a game tonight. We are recording this on Monday, so they do have a game tonight at 6 against the Athletics to open their series or second series of the season, I should say, but have started out 3-0. and The Marlins lost their opening series to the Giants, but a lot to look forward to with their team. A lot of close losses in that series opener against the Giants. Uh, the Heat clinching the Eastern Conference number one seed going into the playoffs. We'll talk about how they did that and what they're going to be looking forward to uh, as the play-in tournament is going to look to get started here very, very soon. And uh, we're also going to talk about where the Panthers and the Lightning both lie with just, a, I think, seven to eight, I think, regular season games remaining here in April. Uh, the NHL playoffs are rapidly approaching, and we've already talked about the Panthers clinching their number one seed, but the Lightning, again, in a peculiar position right now and are really going to have to fight for a good spot in the playoffs. After all that, we'll do a little college baseball recap. You know, that's one of my favorites to go over. We'll talk about some of the teams in the state of Florida and how they did this past weekend. And we will also, I'll go over a couple of underdog fantasy picks of the day. I have some baseball picks tonight uh, that I've been really, really trying to push so far through this entire weekend. I've been loving using underdog fantasy for uh, baseball. I'm so glad that it's back and we can bet on it. It's so much fun. So we'll get into all of that. But we're going to start out with opening weekend baseball. And we'll dive right into the undefeated team left in the MLB right now, the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes, again, only 3-0, but they opened up with a nice series sweep against the Orioles at home. They've now won actually their last 19 of 20 against the Orioles dating back to last year. Uh, It just shows complete dominance over this AL East opponent. Um, I mean, everybody's predicting pretty much the Orioles to be the worst team in the AL this year. So it's almost expected that the Rays had to get this sweep over this very, very poor team this weekend. But a lot of bright spots. I mean, Wander Franco, we talked about him in the previous episode. Probably the biggest excitement for the Rays this year. This rookie sensation. I mean, he hit 545 over the weekend. Yes, that I'm not exaggerating that number. He hit 5. 45. That's incredible for a three-game stretch. Um, he, I mean, he just also crashed, <laughs> flashed some incredible leather on defense, made some incredible diving stops, some nice catches out there uh, short, and stole a base as well. I mean, just showed really every aspect of his game in this series. Going to really, really continue to be looking forward to watching him uh, as the Rays square off against the Athletics with this next four-game set. Um, but back to this weekend, Francisco Mejia. He had a great Saturday as well, the backup catcher, technically, for the Rays. Um, and, I mean, with a great Saturday, he went two for four. He had a huge home run, four RBIs. So he really read, led the Rays' offense on Saturday. And in my opinion, I think he is much, much better than the current Rays' starter. And you can't see this, but I'm using air quotations. Um, in Mike Zanino, because what the Rays like to do a lot is they like to platoon some of their players at different positions based on matchups, based on analytics, based on um, what kind of pitchers on the mound, you know, how they hit in this ballpark versus how they hit in that ballpark. It, it's all very analytical the way Kevin Cash puts the lineup together every day. But from just a pure talent standpoint, watching the Rays, Francisco Mejia, the catcher that technically behind plays behind Mike Zanino, 
is way better. And I, this is just my opinion, but, I mean, the guy's approach at the plate is so much better than Mike's. He's very, very disciplined up there. He looks for a good pitch to hit. He always creates good ABs for himself. You know, he's fouling off pitches. They're very close to the strike zone and, you know, might catch a corner and, and you go, you know, get him called out on strike three. He's doing very good at fouling those pitches away and just waiting for that mistake pitch. And he's taking advantage of those. I mean, he was one of the biggest contributors last year to the Rays offense. Home runs, extra base hits, RBIs. I mean, he was a machine behind the plate. And for me, when I'm seeing Mike Zanino up there, he's striking out a lot. He's swinging at a lot of pitches out of the zone. It's it's just not looking very put together up there and it's it's tough to see because it almost seems like an automatic out every time he's coming up to the plate and that's obviously not what you want in your lineup you don't want anybody to have that automatic out sort of feel um i i also do like mejia's defensive prowess a little better as well i don't like the way that mike zanino frames balls uh, you know, when you're getting pitches in there, you need to frame those pitches as much as you can to try and steal strikes for your pitcher. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of different advanced stats on, on that kind of stuff, and I don't have them all pulled up in front of me right now. But just from the eye test and getting to see what Mejia does from a defensive standpoint there behind the plate, it's just much more crisp and refined it seems like, than Mike Zanino's talents back there. But, again, just my opinion. We're going to continue to see how Kevin Cash rolls with these two catchers moving forward. But loved what Mejia was able to put forth uh, on just his one day of play on Saturday this weekend. Uh, a good thing for the runs, just manu- a good thing for the Rays, just manufacturing runs, just getting to put runs across the plate. Um, only two starters on the team did not score a run this entire weekend, and one of them, Mike Zanino, didn't have a great offensive weekend. And surprisingly, Randy Rosarena, who actually had a pretty good offensive weekend himself, just wasn't able to cross the plate for a run scored. Um, but the Rays did do a lot of good work and just sack, sack flies, moving runners over, clutch base hits, just being able to push runners over uh, over the plate and get runs in, in any type of fashion that they can. In terms of pitching, uh, the opening day, McClanahan, Shane McClanahan, he had some jitters on opening day, but he, he did come out pretty strong in his outing with almost five innings of scoreless baseball. So he looked pretty good uh, aside from a few uh, batters here and there where, we, where he struggled with his pitch count. Um, but the other starters for the weekend, Drew Rasmussen and Corey Kluber, definitely had some respectable outings. They're not stretched out, obviously, as much as they would be a couple weeks into the season, or if they had a normal spring training and the lockout didn't push everything back, but that's neither here nor there. Drew Rasmussen and Corey Kluber still had very decent outings. You know, We're going to hope that they continue to stretch themselves out as they go a little deeper into the season, go in six, hopefully seven innings for us. We're not going to have to dig into the bullpen too much. But in terms of the bullpen, Andrew Kittredge has done some great work out of there already. They've used a lot of different arms, but Andrew Kittredge already knocked out two saves for the Rays this season already in the first opening series. So great looking out for them. They're going to start their four-game series against the Athletics tonight. Now, we'll switch over and talk about the Marlins opening weekend, and they played the San Francisco Giants, who was a kind of a surprise team last year. Not many people touted them to be as good as they were, Uh, but coming into this year, definitely a a lot of that same young, decent talent that are trying to grow and expand around, and unfortunately for the Marlins, they dropped the series. They lost Friday and Sunday to the Giants, but again, they lost each game by just a run, so very, very close games. I think they played really well from what I was able to see from the Marlins this weekend. 
In terms of their win on Saturday, it was a very, very nice team win. It was a really solid performance on the mound by Pablo Lopez. He went five innings, only gave up a run, and had six strikeouts. So really, really great uh, for his first outing of the season. Uh, in terms of Friday's loss, it was really tough because an extra innings loss, it always feels like it's a, it's way more of a heartbreaker than it is if it just goes in regulation, especially after Jazz hit that monster two-run blast in the top of the ninth. That was huge for the Marlins. Um, and Jacob Stallings' offense coming through as well in the eighth and the ninth to lift the Marlins past the Giants. Um, just seeing their offense come together in that game was really, really explosive. I think the disappointment, though, of this game was the starting pitching. We talked a lot about Sandy Alcantara last time. We're really hyped about him being the ace for this Marlins team, but five walks in five innings in his debut for the season, that's just definitely too much. Having a walk to inning ratio like that is just not going to be very effective for you moving forward. So Sandy's really going to have to look to keep that control in check as he comes out for his next start. Uh, on Sunday, again, another one-run loss. It was just a weird throwing error for Trevor Rogers. Really early in the game, that just seemed to hurt the Marlins. They couldn't really come back with any offense to spark themselves late in that game. But again, it was encouraging to see some of the bats of Joey Wendell and Jorge Soler come alive and provide some offense for Miami. Those are some big bats the Miami offense is really going to look to provide in the heart of their order this year. So good to see them come through on Sunday. But I think it's just really going to be a matter of time before that whole lineup can really put it together, be super dangerous game in and game out, and really give a lot of good teams uh, some runs for their money. And again, Jazz, he's been playing super well so far. I told you last time I'm super, super high on Jazz Chisholm. I love the way he plays for the Marlins. His energy is through the roof. I mean, I drafted him on my fantasy baseball team, so I'm going to hope that this guy keeps up his talent and, um, and his production because I absolutely love him. So uh, great, great baseball talk there uh, in opening weekend. We're really, really excited to see what these teams are going to be doing moving forward into the season. After that opening weekend, the Marlins will open their next series tonight against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim at 9.38 in a late game tonight. So now that we've talked a little bit about baseball, let's jump over and talk a little bit about the position that our Florida hockey teams are in, the Panthers and the Lightning. As the playoffs inch closer and closer for the, closer for the NHL, I don't know about any of you out there, but I feel like I've been waiting for the NHL playoffs to start forever. Like, man, this season is just, it kind of just drags on for a very long time. It's very unexpected because they play very similar amount of games to the NBA, but it just always seems like this season is just so much longer, so crazy. But... Like we talked about in the open, the Panthers, they've already clinched their playoff spot. Uh, they're, they're number one in the Atlantic division right now. They have a whopping 108 points at the top of the division. They're crushing everybody right now. They're leading the Maple Leafs, who are in second by eight points. And their record is 51 wins, 15 losses, and six OT losses. They have been nothing short of dominant, I'll tell you that. Uh, they've cur they're currently riding a seven-game win streak. They're on fire once again, like we continue to say, playing some elite hockey. And tonight, they're going to go for their eighth in a row as they face off at home, where, again, they've played very, very well this season against the Anaheim Ducks. So really, really cool for the Panthers to keep their streak going. They have the playoffs locked and loaded, ready to go. But as for the other team in Florida, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're now fighting for the third playoff spot in the Atlantic Division. 
If you don't know how the playoffs work in the NHL, the top three teams in each division is going to be granted a playoff berth. And so far, the Panthers, who are in the top spot, have clinched, and the Maple Leafs, who we talked about last podcast, were going to have a tough time, or maybe two podcasts ago, we're going to have a tough time with the Lightning jockeying for that second position. The Lightning lost a crucial matchup to the Leafs, uh, I think last Tuesday it was, and the Leafs were able to clinch that second spot in the division. So the Lightning are now battling for the third spot in the Atlantic Division with the Boston Bruins pretty much going head-to-head with them where the loser is going to have to fight to have a good enough record, hopefully, in the wild card spot to grant themselves a playoff berth. So the Lightning and Bruins really jockeying here just to make sure they can guarantee themselves one of the top spots if they can lock the division up. So the Lightning, like we said, sitting in third place. They have 96 points in the division and a record of 44 wins, 20 losses, and 8 OT losses. And it was nice to see them route the very poor Sabres yesterday, 5-0, to nice shutout win. But man, they've suffered some difficult losses, especially in the past four games. Before that, the Bruins, the Capitals, the Maple Leafs, and the Canadians all handed the Lightning losses. So it is very, very crucial for them to get back on track for the rest of this April to finish out the season. The next game is actually going to be tomorrow night against the Dallas Stars. But after that, there's actually only nine games remaining in the regular season. So ten in total for the Lightning. Again, they're just going to be fighting for that third spot with their rival, the Boston Bruins. It's going to be so crucial for the Lightning to go on a run right here and get some momentum cooking, especially as they head into the NHL playoffs because the NHL playoffs is notorious for having the teams with the highest momentum rolling all the way through. I mean, just just think about the Montreal Canadiens, who are a god-awful team this year. They just went to the Stanley Cup last year. I mean, they... They rolled right through the playoffs. They were extremely hot, and they made it the distance. Obviously, they didn't win. The Lightning won. Hell yeah. Um, But the the Canadians, uh, that just shows you how if you just make it to the playoffs, as long as you're hot, as long as you have a ton of momentum on your side, you are going to keep it rolling. So very, very crucial in this month of April for the Lightning as we get down to it and the NHL playoffs are creeping up slowly. So let's switch over a little bit. We talked some baseball, talked some hockey. Let's talk a little bit of basketball and specifically the Miami Heat as the best team so far in the East this season in terms of the standings. They have that number one seed locked up and they're going to be looking to rest everybody to get get them as healthy as possible and ready to go for round one. They've won four of their five games in April, and they actually just dropped their last regular season game last night to the Orlando Magic, but not too big of a deal, honestly. It was really just a Heat G League player type of game, um, pretty much centered around Victor Oladipo trying to get a lot of work in and make sure uh, he's 100% healthy and ready to go for some good minutes in the playoffs, and he had quite a game. Scored 40 points, dished out seven assists, and had 10 rebounds. That's his only 40-point game of the season, but you know what the funny thing about that is? He now has more 40-point games this season than James Harden, and James Harden has pretty much been healthy all season. So great for Victor Oladipo to come in and have a fantastic performance against a struggling Magic team last night. Um, In terms of the Orlando Magic, RJ Hampton and Mo Bamba, they both had nice 21-point games. 
to round out the season for the Magic. And, you know, like we've talked about before, I'm not going to go too much or too deep into it until really we get closer to the lottery. But they are just in a really, really big rebuild stage right here. Looking for that draft lottery to hopefully add a nice piece to the squad and continue to build up that young franchise. But moving back to the Heat. They're in a great spot securing their home court advantage with that number one seed throughout their East playoff run. And now, like we said earlier, they just get to rest their players and figure out what is going to happen between these four playoff teams or play in teams in the East with the Hornets, the Nets, the Cavs, and the Hawks. They're going to be determining the eighth seed over the next couple days. So that will determine the Heat's opponent going into the first round of the playoffs. Going to be very, very exciting to be rooting for this team. They've played super, super hard all year. And especially to see all of these guys healthy and on the same court together. They're going to be very dominant, and they're going to give a lot of very good teams in the East trouble. So very, very excited to watch them upcoming here in the playoffs as we just get started, I think, this upcoming weekend. So to round this out a little bit today, one of our last topics, we'll go over some college baseball. Yeah, one of my, one of my favorites. Uh, obviously, our teams in Florida, we like to recap these as much as we can and try to go over their weekend results. And a very interesting uh, weekend for the Florida teams. UF was able to work their way back into the top 25 ranks at number 23 after a, win over, after a series win over a top-ranked Arkansas this weekend. Miami also soared to number two in the nation after a big sweep this weekend, and FSU falls out of the top 25 after losing their ACC series weekend. Talking a little bit about Florida first, now ranked number 23 in the nation like we just mentioned. They came off of a massive series win against previously number two ranked team in the nation, Arkansas. So a massive SEC series win for them after dropping the first game of the series behind their dominant ace, Hunter Barco, in an 8-1 loss. Florida really found their groove in the next two. Brandon Sprout, he pitched a great game on Saturday and got some nice contributions from the offense from pretty much everybody behind him, which is really great to see. And on Sunday, another big offensive day. Uh, these couple names we, we feel like I'm saying all the time, B.T. Ryapel and Wyatt Langford, both very, very exceptional weekends. I mean, home runs, extra base hits, these guys are doing it all for the offense. So uh, the Gators look to keep that momentum rolling. They're actually going to be facing off against FSU in Tallahassee on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., another big, big game between in-state rivals. The Gators took the first matchup 6-3 to a couple weeks ago, so this will be a great, great rematch in Tallahassee. The Gators will then have to look forward to another SEC weekend of play against Blue Blood Vanderbilt. Miami had a pretty dominant weekend themselves, even more dominant, I would say. They swept the number three-ranked team in the nation, Virginia, their ACC opponent, opponent, to move up six spots to number two in the nation officially. Miami is playing out of their minds right now. I mean, phenomenal-type baseball. They've won 13 straight games, piled up 13 ACC wins, which is three more than any other team. I mean, they've continued to prove that they can not only just win the close games against you, but they can blow you the hell out. And that is very, very dangerous and really tough to compete against if you're one of their opponents, especially as they're getting deeper into the season with the way that they've already been playing in conference play. One of the, I mean, the, the best ACC record in the conference right now, that is going to be very, very difficult to match up with them moving forward. 
terms of Florida State, we said they had a little uh, little bit of a rougher weekend in Atlanta. They played Georgia Tech this weekend and dropped the series against their ACC rival. Uh, and in between Saturday, win was nice. The Knolls rallied behind some massive homers from Alex Terrell and James Tibbs, as well as a late tie-breaking sack fly from my boy Colton Vincent. They got a nice 9-6 to dub that day. But unfortunately, on Friday and Sunday, the Yellow Jackets were able to grab a couple of wins over because pretty much of some lackluster offense from the Knolls in both games. Uh, the pitching was able to to do great work there on Friday night. Not the best on Sunday, but the offense was just not able to come around both of those days for the Knolls. Like we said, they have a big opponent to look forward to on Tuesday night against number 23, Florida, in Tallahassee. And then over the weekend, they will be looking forward to playing number 9-ranked Louisville in some ACC play. And some other news around the state of Florida, FAU baseball, they clinched their series win in Boca Raton this past weekend with a win on Sunday against UAB with a score of 13-6. And UCF also got a big series win over rival Memphis at Memphis after winning back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday from some big, powerful offensive performances by the Knights. So that'll pretty much round out most of our uh, sports talk for the day. But before I let you go, I got some underdog fantasy picks I'm going to share with you today. A couple baseball picks that um, I'm really, really liking in terms of offense and what these guys have been doing over the past couple days. Again, if you haven't heard me talk about underdog fantasy, it is a great fantasy betting app. You can download download on your phone right now you can pick overs and unders for any type of player for any type of sport all different kinds of props on there and rivals props as well so who would get more strikeouts who would get more hits who would get more total bases just in terms of baseball kind of thing Um, but it's a fantastic app you can utilize to play some prop bets if you want and i've been using it so so much it is awesome if you want your first deposit up to a hundred dollars matched you can use my promo code austinheart24 same as my Instagram, same as my Twitter, all that good stuff. Use it in there, and they'll match up to $100, get you a free deposit when you deposit the first time with Underdog. So I'll get into a couple of my picks for the day. I have three picks put together today. I have Xander Bogarts over 0.5 runs for the Red Sox, Wander Franco over 1.5 total bases for the Rays, and Corey Seager over 1.5 total bases for the Rangers. And we're taking Wander Franco and Corey Seager over one and a half total bases here because both of these players have had very nice opening weekends with their respective teams. So we're looking for both of these players to have multi-hit days here. If not multi-hit days, and at least one of them uh, can be an extra base hit to satisfy that one and a half total bases prop. Xander Bogarts, we've also liked the way he is sandwiched right in there in the heart of that Red Sox order in between Rafael Devers and J.D. Martinez. So I think this is a good opportunity where if he's able to get on base tonight, I think he'll be able to cross the plate with some good offense behind him as they travel to Detroit to face the Tigers. So those are the three baseball picks that I'm going to put together tonight on Underdog Fantasy, and we're going to be looking to cash those winners tonight um, in in some really, really exciting baseball play. But that, I think, is just about going to wrap everything up here on this, again, Monday edition of Hearts Home Half. Thank you, everybody, who tuned in on this edition, and I really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, I'll have our next episode dropping on Thursday, as usual. And until then, I'm Austin Hart, and we'll see you next time on Hearts Home Half. (laughs) 